Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today is my great pleasure to welcome Vince Beasy to the show. Welcome, Vince. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Appreciate it. I've also got uh, one of my co-hosts today, Shonday Person. Welcome, Shonday. Thanks, Jeremy. Good to be here. We're going to talk about a fun topic that we have not spoken about on the podcast before, which is all about how you close deals. Before we do that, just to introduce Vince a little bit. He is the head of enterprise sales at Customer. They are a customer service CRM platform, and he's had a long experience in the CRM world. In fact, he was uh, the SVP of worldwide enterprise sales at Sugar CRM at one point before this. So uh, he definitely knows that space. He's also got a lot of other stuff going on. He runs the T-Rex Summit, which is uh, T-Rex stands for the Revenue Exchange. And he's host of a podcast that I'm excited to check out called Best Selling Podcast. But Vince, we want to get to know you a little bit. So one question I'd love to ask you is, if you wind the clock way, way back, what was the first thing you ever remember selling? My first real job out of college was I worked for a local Washington, D.C. magazine, an entertainment magazine. It was brand new. And I had to go out and sell advertising in a magazine. And I would literally go door to door to businesses and try to find the owner to say, here's why you need to be in this new up and coming, really cool magazine. And I have to tell you, I was not interested in sales. I was only interested in, in, I just need to make some money. And this company seems like I could make some money, could care less about sales. But guess what happened? Because I didn't care. I had this attitude of like, I'm just going to go in and And I'm going to try to convince them why this is great for their business. And if they sign, I don't care. Great. If they do, I'll make a little extra money. And I became good at it. When we asked you what topic you wanted to cover, why was that last mile of closing so top of mind for you? So I think it goes back to, if you ask me, Vince, what do you think one of your strengths is? And I'd say that certainly closing is. And I think why I've been pretty good at helping or closing directly is because I focus on deals that are winnable. I don't focus on deals that aren't winnable. And I think a lot of salespeople go into this notion of, I need more opportunities to be able to close the right amount for to hit my quota. And I think that's a horrible way to go about it. I think you should accept opportunities only based on the criteria that your company or your management has set. And if it doesn't fit that criteria and you don't believe you can change the narrative, then you should not accept that opportunity. So that's how you get a better close rate. A lot of people take their foot off the pedal when they think they're getting close to the close. And that's the biggest mistake I've seen in sales is that you assume that you're there and you're not, and someone else comes on the back door and steals the deal or something else changes the dynamic of the deal and you lose. How do you decide what's a winnable deal? And I presume that also is not just at the front end, it's also throughout the the deal process. How do you evaluate whether the deal is winnable? Again, I think you have to have a process and I think you have to have a criteria and I think you have to have a qualification document that states, you know, all the things that you need to ask of the prospect, right? It's give and take in sales, right? It's not just you selling them on why you're such a value. It's them telling you why you're a good fit. So I think it first and foremost starts with an agreement. There's an agreement to move forward that I believe there could be a mutual fit here. I think that we have a solution that could address your problem. And the customer says back or the prospect says back to you, I agree. I think there is a potential that you could solve our problem. And if there isn't that agreement initially, then what's the sense of moving forward? There's three phases of sales, qualification, convincing, and closing. That's it, as far as I'm concerned. 
And you can't do one without the other. You have to qualify first before you can convince. You have to convince first before you can close. If you try to do one before the other, you're going to fail 100% of the time. So would you say that a lot of the deals after you get to that convincing phase, um, that's when the reps start to take their foot off the pedal? Yeah. You know, there's a stage I've created. It's called actively competing. It's kind of the stage between, okay, the I presented our solution, the solution that we'll be delivering. I presented our proposal, got feedback on our proposal. And then there's in between between you've done everything you can for the process up to that point. You haven't received the verbal go ahead from the customer yet. So it's between the verbal and you've kind of done most of the motion. And what are you going to do between that time? That could be a week. That could be two weeks. That could be four weeks. That could be a long time. So what are you doing to create activity, to actively compete, to make sure that you're staying top of mind, that you're still in the lead position? Definitely. I remember an old sales manager telling me that, you know, the last mile you shouldn't be at the time, standing by the fax machine, just waiting for that PO to come in. What are the reps supposed to be doing from um, a managerial perspective? What do you want? What do you want them to say? They always have to have a next step. If, if I'm doing a pipeline review, an opportunity review, and you can't tell me what your next step is, I'm a little nervous about that as a manager. Of, oh my gosh, then if you don't have a next step, they have a next step. So that means you're not involved in the next step. Guess who is your competition? Putting your two things together, right? The next step concept, as well as I really like that actively competing stage in between proposal and verbal, except what is a good next step or what are, what are good next steps in the actively competing stage? I think what we always forget and got to constantly remind ourselves is we get focused on the people we've been working with through the deal process. And we forget that there's others behind the scenes that aren't. So I like to say, hey, by the way, who else should know about customer as we finish out this process, is there anyone else in your organization that's important to get their feedback and so on? And oftentimes they'll say, yeah, you know what? Such and such hasn't been involved and they're eventually going to want to hear from this or IT needs a way in. So it's let's make sure we're checking all the boxes on their process and their evaluation side of things and not just our own, right? Yeah, it relates very much to the Miller-Hyman framework for buyers, right? Which is there is one economic buyer that is the, the person who ultimately signs the check there are the user buyers, of which there may be many, right? I mean, it could be people in different departments. But then really importantly, I think some of the, the behind-the-scenes people, technical buyers, right? Which could be security people. It could be IT people. It could be obviously legal as they're doing contract reviews and, and so on. Sean Day, actually, I did want to circle back to something that Vince had said earlier and ask you, since you're like frontline salesperson, it's the, on that agreement piece are you comfortable asking, hey, do you agree in principle to move forward? Like, how do you actually do that without it sounding awkward? To take a step back, I work with a lot of um, expansions. So part of it is just understanding what their criteria is as part of the discovery. And so you'll ask a lot of the qualifying questions and, you know, what are you guys looking to achieve? Try to get as many metrics as you can and say, you know, okay, so if we can meet all this, how does this look to you? Or does this look like what you were expecting. And then also asking the tougher questions on, is there anything here that you see that's missing like in, in your process or what you were looking for? You know, if it is something that we can cover, uh, just making sure that we talk about that with the prospect because they are doing this level of qualification after the screen is closed, after the conversation is over. They're talking with their other team and they're going to have to answer those team's questions. So you want to make sure that you uncover all of the 
potential edge cases and questions from everybody that will be involved as these different buyers as part of your prospects process. So Shonday, question for you. Um, have you ever found a customer that got annoyed by you by asking intelligent questions? Never, never. As long as you do it in a tactical way. Never happens. When you're asking the right questions, the open-ended questions, I think they appreciate that. And your credibility goes way up based on the questions you ask. It's not annoying. It's helpful. One of the huge things between an average seller and a great seller is their curiosity comes naturally. And the questions they're asking is not for the just a benefit of them or their company, but it's like, how did you hear about us? And why are you interested? I'm curious, you know, like, well, and what is the biggest problem you could solve? You know, it's it's, it's kind of, it goes back to a lot of people talk about sales being a, an art form. And I truly believe it is. And those that do it, it's, it's a kind of a work in progress. And it's, it's really nice to watch and listen to when someone does it really skillfully, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. I think a lot of reps just get stuck in their own head. It's tough because, you know, you got people that are selling to people that have been in their careers for a long time and they, they get a little intimidated and they want to make sure that they're saying the right things or they might have another person listening over their shoulder or listen to the recordings of the calls and just be worried that, you know, they're not articulating the value the same way that another salesperson would. So one of the keys is just to be comfortable. Remember, you're talking to another human. And like you said, just have that level of curiosity that you would if you were talking to, you know, a member of your family or something. Yeah, I'm super fixated on this actively competing stage. So what are some things you can do as a salesperson to prevent the competitor sneaking in at the last minute? Again, I think it's to alleviate those quiet moments, you know, quiet moments and no next steps. Those are the things that really scare me. And uh, I always think you should have the mindset as well that you're in second place, you're not in first. If you have that attitude that you're in a lead, you get lazy and you get complacent. So I challenge myself to, we're going to lose this. If we don't get this next phone call, if we don't have this next step, we're losing. And I have pretty, I think you also as a salesperson over time, you have to, you have to grow into your instincts and you have to listen to your instincts as well, right? You can't always see every meeting as great and happy and awesome. Here's a scenario. They have a call and you say, how'd the call go? Oh, it was awesome. They love us. They loved me. That absolutely does nothing for me. It doesn't help me whatsoever and tells me that this person, it was probably a horrendous call on the other side. What I want to hear from that is that here's what happened on the call. Here's what we discussed. And here's what we decided as what we agreed upon on both sides as next steps. To me, a good meeting is when you end the meeting and you have deliverables from both sides after that call, right? So back to your question, I always want there to be a next step, a next conversation or whatever it might be. Now, one good piece of advice I found, and I'd be curious if you guys get it too, do you start the communication typically by a phone call or email and mostly email? When you can get it to a text message exchanges or WhatsApp exchange, you're in the driver's seat because now you're on kind of a more of trusted advisor, getting closer to a, a trusted resource. So try to get into the conversation, not through the standard channels that we always use in sales. Try to get into the more personal channels like those. I agree. It should almost be an addition to, to medic permission to text. You have to you have to earn that though, though, right? If you prematurely text them, then that's kind of might set you back, right? Yeah, you do. You definitely have to earn that. I completely agree. Salespeople are often conflicted about to what extent they should discuss the competition with their prospect. 
how deeply should they probe? How should they respond? And so on. How do you coach your reps to deal with conversations about competitors? I think it first and foremost starts with training and taking your competition seriously and creating SWOT analysis, right? I think you need to understand your competitors as well as you understand yourself. And I think you also need to understand your company's or product or solutions weaknesses as well and be honest about that. And I think when you know all those things and you go into these conversations with a level of information and understanding, you can have an intelligent conversation about the competition as opposed to bashing. You can say honest things like, you know, where I found they they are strong is X, Y, and Z. And where, quite frankly, I found where they're not as strong as us is, you know, this other side of the picture. So I think there's a tactful way to go about that conversation that you can use to your advantage to position yourself. So customer is in a space that's very crowded and it's very mature. We're up against a lot of really big players, Salesforce being one of them. Clearly, there's distinctions between our company and our solution. That is my job to highlight. And some of them are very obvious. And I'm not afraid of the fact that they're Goliath and we're not, and we're the small guy. I think it plays to my advantage. So I play the small, nimble startup company all the time against them. But that's just a, a bigger, obvious one. But then you have to break it down of other areas and understanding the, the big differences and, and uh, talk about it. I think you'd be foolish not to talk about your competition in a way, again, that's not damaging them or, or bashing them. So do your reps bring up competition or um, do they wait for the customer or pr prospect to mention? I'll tell you this, at some point in the process, they better understand who they're up against because if they don't understand who they're up against, then we're certainly not going to do as good of a job. And, you know, one of the things I like to do is when we're going to go to a more formal process, like an RFP request for proposal, I'll ask the question, hey, would you like our RFP template that we've created maybe help you set the stage? Because I know the questions that are in there, obviously, are going to be ones that we have a real positive response to. So I don't like to ignore the fact. Look, let's be real. I know in my industry, it's, it's we're always going to be up against competition. And typically, we're always going to be a rip and replace. So ignoring it would be kind of uh, foolish, really. You know, going back to the last mile a little bit, uh, and one thing we promised to talk about was was the sense of creating urgency. A lot of sales consultants will talk about techniques, if you will, to create urgency, or even in, I mean, I've seen it in the B2B space also is, is right, it's our end of quarter, right? Uh, so using that as, as, a, as a motivation to get people to close. I'm curious, you know, what you think about whether urgency can or should be created in enterprise selling? I mean, certainly if you, think you can create urgency, it's great. But the question is, can you really create urgency? Um, and big deals that take a long time, I, I think that's more challenging. And more transactional deals, I, I think you can. Look, I think one of the first ways you can help start to create urgency is in the beginning part of the cycle. When the prospect says, yeah, we kind of have a problem, but it's not that big. So one of the first ways you can do is to really highlight that problem you think is small really isn't as small as you think. And here's what the problem really looks like. And here's what the problem could cost you resources, money, and so on. So, so I think it's understanding and identifying what the problem is, sort of like what the challenger sale does, right? Like, you know, you doing nothing really has a cost to you and your business. And here's what that is. Look, I, I'll also tell you, you know, you guys know who um, Randy Moss is? Yeah, of course. They asked him one time, hey, Randy, how are you going to pay for that fine? And he said, straight cash, homie. <laughs> 
And I will tell you, straight <laughs> cash homie works in sales too. And if you're looking to close this deal this quarter and you've got a compelling business proposal, like we have a specific buyout for a competitor and guess what? It's working. It's creating urgency and it's attractive and it ends on September 30th and no lie, it ends on September 30th. You ain't getting it the next day and you got to have that conviction. So a compelling offer can drive urgency. Uh, identifying the problem and that it's not a little problem, it's a big uh, problem is another one. And I think the other one is you're missing out on innovation, my friend. Customer is the most innovative modern day CRM platform to solve customer service problems. The digital problems that we're seeing today are not being solved by these legacy systems. So I'm here to help you innovate. So innovation is another way to create urgency. You know, you mentioned if it's September 30th is September 30th, no lie. Yeah, I think there's so much power in the written word. And in, in two ways, one is, as you were mentioning, on the proposal itself, when you put the proposal out there, you don't just put the terms by September 30th, you also put the terms after September 30th, right? So I think if you do that, you you sort of are anchoring them on the number and, and creating a degree of urgency there. I think the other one, and you, you also mentioned this uh, earlier on, is is you need some form of a mutual plan. And if you've got that mutual plan with timeline for when, you know, when the deal gets signed, when the implementation begins, when the go live is, like all those dates, people kind of feel a degree of responsibility to adhere to those dates when they have agreed in principle on on working together. Yeah, I had that conversation at the end of last week with a very big opportunity we're working on. That's a multi-million dollar deal that I said, we're going through a, a POC process. And I said, great, but here's the steps we have in our process. And here's what's important to us and our company to put the resources towards this. So basically, it's, a, it's an agreement between the two companies of what, what they're doing and what we're doing. And I made it crystal clear in bold text, as big as I can put it, that our expectation is that there's going to be a signature on paper by December 31st, 2020. And that's what we're working towards. And then the implementation will be done the day after, start the day after that and moving forward. But are we crystal clear on that, that that's what we're working towards? Because if that's what we're working towards, here's my MSA and here's my SLA that you can give to your legal, which is huge. It's a multi-billion dollar corporation that you shall give to your legal right now so they will start reviewing our template. Are we in agreement? Yes or no? So again, in my world, things can't happen by herpensense. Herp it has to happen by plan. It has to be part of a process. When you don't have a process, you don't have a plan, and you're not uh, sharing that plan with them and getting agreement, all sorts of surprises can happen. I'm trying to mitigate surprises. Excellent. Vince, one quick question for you. In terms of sales strategy, what's the number one challenge you're facing right now? Well, I think the biggest challenge for me as I open up a, a, a new market really is quite frankly, building the pipeline, You know, getting enough opportunities in so we can really hone our pitch and deliver our message and really figure out what's our real value proposition in this larger bigger market that we're going after. So yeah, I'd say more at bats, bigger than the pipeline is the biggest challenge. Awesome. Well, uh, Vince, it was such a pleasure having you on and uh, I'm super excited 
amongst other things to check out that best-selling podcast. So I am looking for a new sales podcast to listen to. But besides hearing from you in that way, if people want to learn more about customer or learn more about either the product or sell or opportunities on your team, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. The good news of having the name Vince Beasy is that there's only one Vince Beasy. So when you Google me or you go to LinkedIn, the last name is spelled B-E-E-S-E. And I can guarantee you I'm the only no, I shouldn't say that. I should actually look on LinkedIn. You might be the only one. I could be the only one. And if you want to check out my podcast, I have a, a website. It's called bestsellingpodcast.com. Awesome. Well, Vince, thanks for being on. And Shande, thanks for being my brilliant co-host as ever today. Thanks. Thanks, Vince. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. Paige McCauley is our producer. Peter Lepinto is our editor. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.